Welcome to episode 904 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? I am having a pretty fantastic Sunday morning. Uh, just now sitting down. I mean, losing the hour of sleep is never a good thing. I hate it. I wish we would just leave it as is. So jealous of you folks in Indiana and Arizona, I think. Are they mm-hmm. only two states that uh, leave it alone? Uh, I wish we would just leave it alone, leave it just like this, because I'd love the sun staying out late. Yeah, this is uh, really the first year it's kind of really affected me because prior to last year, I was working uh, overnights. And so I usually either lost an hour of work or gained an hour of work uh, in the middle of that while you guys were sleeping. But uh, yeah, I was was telling you guys before we started, like, this is actually not cool. And I don't like this gaining or losing an hour of sleep. And the gaining didn't help in the fall because I've got small children who don't care. So <laughs> they, they don't care, you know, they just wake up when they wake up. So uh, joining us today is a special guest. We have David Mendelson from the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast. David, welcome to the show. Justin and Jason, what is going on, guys? Uh, I'm telling you, we lost the hour of sleep, but I'm feeling like I got that extra hour because I'm so pumped up to be here with you fine gentlemen today. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, you guys were my course in the podcast tourney. Uh, I love what you guys have been go- doing over there at Triple Pay. So remind everybody where you can reach on social media and kind of plug what you do. Yeah, it was a heartbreaker. That was uh, came down to four votes, I think, between us in the podcast tournament with like 1,700 people voting. Uh, but yeah, you can find me at DMendio2 on Twitter. I tweet about fantasy, of course, but then some fitness and love talking about food. Maybe tweeting about Quest Bars and Justin trying to get uh, him to try one. I was going to uh, say, you are in way <laughs> too good of shape to be on this podcast. Just yeah, saying. yeah, no. You know, but I mean, I, I'm efforting. I'm down 25 pounds over the last three months. I have not done quest bars, but I've, I've been working through a lot of different stuff. Uh, but I'm still like tra- way behind you, but you're in way too good of a shape to be on this <laughs> podcast. So enjoy this one appearance. You're out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> It's funny though, because I don't know if you, uh, if Jason, if you saw on Twitter the other day when the Quest, the official account, mm-hmm. wrote to Justin and said they were like, you know, you know, don't knock it until you try it. We'd love oh, for you well, to I try. Oh, I have not seen this. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a we had a conversation about Quest bars because I can't remember if it was David or uh, Corbin Young was all, uh, they're better than Reese's, and I'm all like, you're, you're insane. Like, I've never even had one, and you're just insane. Yes, I have to look at um, and uh, and then the conversation continued to the next day um and somebody i think it was corbin was talking about pokemon cards i was like pokemon is for children and quest bars are for the garbage uh and 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 quest's official account like tagged me like like jumped into our mentions and i was like oh god i hate you guys um and then i was all like you want me to try them i'll live stream trying them but you guys quest bars gotta pay for it because these things are like 30 bucks a box (laughs) <laughs> I should send you a case and get on and be like, you know what? I was absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this is, I'm looking at it now. This is fantastic. Yeah. So Next thing you know, they're the official sponsor of Sleeper in the Bus. Right? You would absolutely welcome them as a sponsor. <laughs> absolutely. If you're listening, yes, yeah, send me a case. I will, I'll get on the live stream with you. <laughs> You, you, you're welcome, Quest Bars. You got official plug without having to pay anything, but it's your move now. You want more? You, you, you better send me, DM me, I'll give you my address. You can send me some Quest Bars. Uh, we're, uh, glad to have you on the show, David. Uh, so let's, uh, let's jump in. We've got a kind of a hard stop today. Uh, Jason's got some stuff to take care of. So, uh, let's just jump into some news and notes. Brendan Rogers was kind of a post-hype sleeper. People were starting to get a little bit excited about him. It seemed like, he had kind of the inside uh, track to that second base job in Colorado. And then he is, I think, stealing a base yesterday and pulls up lame, walks off the field under his own power, but uh, has a hamstring injury. doesn't seem like he's going to now be ready for opening day. So, David, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on Brendan Rodgers for this year, and whose spot does this kind of open up for more playing time? Yeah, I mean, it's really tough with Brendan Rodgers because you see what he was doing in the spring. He was batting 348, had a couple taters, and he'd been apparently working with D. Strange Gordon on his defense at second base, and he seemed like he was really trying to solidify himself after two years of just tons of shoulder injuries. I think he's got plus hit tools, plus power. 
And I think he's ready to move on from that ugly career slash line he had of 196, 235, and 227 over his 32 games in the bigs. I don't think this is hopefully something long-term that's going to be a problem. Uh, you know, maybe not quite ready for opening day, worst-case scenario, but he seems like he was really relaxed and locked in this spring. Obviously, I think they can easily solve this problem. You move Garrett Hampson to second base, and then you have Sam Hilliard, Ramel Tapia, uh, being able to get most of that playing time out there where they were going to maybe do some kind of rotation with them. Uh, so I think they are probably the direct benefit from that. But I wouldn't expect this to be something that's going to be a long-term thing with Rodgers. All right, Jason, what are your thoughts on Rodgers and then who gets kind of the benefit from this? Yeah, I agree with David that Hampson's the easiest one. Uh, if you have Tapia shares, I'm not a Tapia guy, uh, but his job security just got a little safer for the time being. When I saw the highlight of, of Rogers yesterday, to me, what I text you, Justin, like four to six weeks is what I when I'm watching that hamster and the way he looked like he got snipered uh, from it. Uh, so if he's out for a while, that's how I see that playing out. It's just uh, unfortunate because you want to believe uh, with with Rogers, this was supposed to be the year, and, and here he is hurt again. Uh, so it, yay for your yay for those of you who have been. Watch, uh, grabbing Hampson as his ADP continues to climb of late. Uh, and I think those Tapia shares just got a little safer for the time being. Yeah, I don't think Tapia was really in much danger. I think Josh Hilliard was. Um, or sorry, Sam Hilliard was. Sam Hilliard and Josh Fuentes. Yeah, so I think Sam Hilliard, he was the guy that was hitting the bench more often than Garrett Hampson and uh, Ramil Tapia. So I think this gives Hilliard an opportunity to kind of crack the opening day lineup and, and kind of be a regular until Brendan Rodgers back because they will move Garrett Hampson over to second base. Uh, I mean, the interesting thing about Rodgers is that, I mean, former top prospect was tearing it up in spring, but people weren't really that excited about him, or at least it didn't seem like people were that excited about him. I don't know how excited I am about him. Dude has had a hard time staying on the field and, uh, and I mean, really hitting throughout the course of his minor league career, but if he was to get that second base job and be full-time guy in Colorado, he'd become very, very interesting, even if he struggles a little bit. So, uh, I mean, obviously in NFBC leagues, it's kind of hard to draft a guy who's probably not going to start the year with the team because uh, you don't want to stash without having an IL, but in leagues where you got an IL, he's definitely an interesting uh, pickup and kind of stash uh, late in your draft. So, um, all right, let's uh, let's move anybody on. Anybody else? I was gonna say anybody else been seeing during TGFBI? Just have Sam Hilliard sitting there staring at you in the queue. <laughs> I did, I, and I took him in like the twenty sixth or twenty seventh round in TGFBI because of that. Like, I, I finally made up my mind. He went like three picks before me, and I was like, all right. But I was like, I'm finally, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll take the chance here. And uh, yeah, he went like just a couple of picks before me. Yeah. I like taking him too because his uh, his mom seems like she's a big fan of scouting people on Twitter. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, I think it was it was Vlad Sedler that had a conversation with her or something after he tweeted out something about her, uh, him, and she commented on it. It was pretty funny. I always think find it's it's good it's that she caught that she interacted with one of the nicest people on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't <laughs> jumping down someone's throat for saying he was a bomb or something. So yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I ended up with Hilliard in my TGFBI league just because, like, he just kept sitting there, and I was like, I think he has a shot to get at least strong side platoon playing time. And now with Rogers down, he should be in the kind of everyday lineup. I don't know what we're gonna get from him. We know there's power. We know there's speed. The problem is, will he make enough contact to kind of put all of that to use? So, uh, I think, you know, late in the draft, it's a worthy gamble. So, uh, G-Man Choi shut down uh, for 7 to 10 days uh, as he's dealing with an injury. Jason, you're our, ra our raise guy, so tell us, uh, how uh, scared are you about G-Man Choi's injury? Uh, not great, uh, especially with his uh, defensive value uh, and... Uh, what he does over there in the corner. It's kind of weird when you look at it. Like today, I had a few notes from people saying, ooh, Wander Franco's leading off and playing third base. Maybe they're just going to shift uh, Yandy Diaz over to first base and and try to go that route. Uh, sure. Yeah, I would love to see that. Or are you going to see it? No. If we do see it, I, I would ha I'd be happy, you know, happily wrong. I would love to be wrong on this. Uh, but if he's going to be, you know, miss, and, and this team is always conservative about when guys come back, 
So I would put his status for opening day in, in serious doubt. Uh, it gives him a chance. I mean, he's out also out of options, so it gives him a chance to easy, easily move him down to the uh, injured list to start the season uh, with it. Perhaps early on, it, it opens up some more uh, time for Diaz, Brasso, possibly Susugo, uh, if you're just looking at the lefty at bats. Uh, but I haven't been terribly impressed with what I've seen from him this spring either. So that's kind of just be sharing it out for a little bit uh, to see what happens. Yeah, Tsuzugo has been absolutely brutal in spring after being absolutely brutal last year. So can't handle velocity. It's just everybody mm-hmm. just overmatches him, and he pop. He hits a lot of cans of corn every time I see him. It's it's uh, lazy fly balls that just aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, David, what, what's your thoughts on G-Man Choi? Are you kind of just avoiding him right now with him being injured? Yeah, I'm not looking to to target him too much. And like yeah, like Jason said, it seems like the Rays are going with a Tsugo. Tsugo is a left-handed hitting option. Diaz and Brosu right-handed hitting options. Uh, I mean, again, hopefully it's not something that's going to sideline him super long, seven to ten days, and then I think they said they're revisiting it, so it's not like it's a hard seven to ten days, and then he's coming back or anything like that, so I'm probably staying away from him for now, And but hopefully he can come back soon and hit homers off Garrett Cole before we know it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, they don't play the Yankees for a little bit, so they've got some time. <laughs> uh, yesterday, uh, Andres Jimenez um, was kind of anointed as the everyday shortstop in Cleveland. It wasn't officially, but Francona was kind of pretty much said he's going to be the guy at shortstop, which means Ahmed Rosario, who has been getting work in the outfield, will likely become kind of a super utility guy. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on Jimenez as the everyday shortstop? Because there were a lot of people who were afraid they were going to send him down for service time issues. Yeah, I was kind of thinking of how to equivalent it. It's kind of like if you already drafted him at his really low value before he's going to get bumped up, it's almost like you found a $20 bill or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you drafted him at a good value. I am a little worried about what this news is going to do for his draft price, and I don't necessarily know if I want to overpay for him necessarily. He's, I think he'll give you a decent batting average. I wouldn't expect it to be something incredible. I mean, it's a guy that uh, you know, hit 263, 333, 398 slash line last season. And I'm not prepared to pay the moon and stars for this guy. I mean, I'm maybe thinking you have a dead end ball. So his home runs probably are going to go down. Of course, it's not a guy that's that crushes the ball. So maybe best case scenario, you have a guy that's 10 home runs, 15 stolen bases to go with it with a, a, a decent average. I, I'm, I was happy where his draft price was, but where it's going to probably elevate to, I don't necessarily think I want to overpay for him. Jason, what are your thoughts on Jimenez? Uh, I'm trying to think what he went for uh, in in uh, labor the other AL labor the other night because I, the speed w- with Jimenez, I like the the at late game speed potential there, and I was trying to remember he went he ended up going 16 uh, in in the AL only format, 12 team AL format uh, the other night, so. Uh, yeah, he, he's now wide, absolutely wide awake, and this was before that news even came out. Uh, I'm wondering a, a tout this coming weekend if it goes even higher than that. Because when Jimenez came up, I know it was a mid-game, it was kind of auction dynamic stuff. Uh, so it wasn't like it was you know two guys sitting on money, but this may have been a case of Dave, Dave Adler saying, I need speed, and when I look at the rest of his roster, it, it looks like a I need speed pick. So I'd be surprised if it goes a little more, but it's something to keep an eye on because you know he does have the potential. He is hitting at the uh, at the bottom of the lineup as way as the way things shake out right now. But if we have a, a Cesar Hernandez injury uh, or something, there's an easy chance for him to move up as well. Yeah, I mean, I was a big Andres Jimenez guy uh, prior to the trade, then after the trade, and everybody was saying, "Well, he could get sit down. He could get sit down." Like they can't. They can't, they've got to field a team. So like I. I didn't think that, and the clock was already started on him and as from last year, so I didn't think he was necessarily going to sit down. So I've got a lot of shares already. Um, I'm going to continue to get more. Uh, and I know the price is going to go up. Hopefully it doesn't skyrocket like David mentioned. But, I mean, I think this is a guy who can probably hit you know, 7 to 10 home runs, but steal 25 bases. And he's got triple eligibility, uh, which is always nice uh, to have kind of that flexibility. He's definitely going to continue to be a target for me 
kind of moving forward, yeah, the hitting at the bottom of the lineup kind of sucks uh, because it kind of limits his uh, ability to uh, get more plate appearances, but there shouldn't be that many people on base in front of him where he can't steal bases, which is what we want him for. So I like Andre Simenez. I'm going to continue to get Jairus. As far as Rosario goes, I want to get you guys' quick thoughts. Um, how much do we think he's going to play this year, Jason? Um, nah, not much. Not, I mean, I, I would put the over under on his, on his plate appearances at 325. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, David, what are you, what are your thoughts? Are you interested in Rosario or do you think he's not going to play enough to matter? Yeah, I don't think he's going to play enough to matter, honestly. Uh, I mean, there's no spots for him, obviously, in the middle infield. So they've talked about moving him to the outfield and he's not even, projected to start according to roster resource so i i mean again i this is a guy that's already even when he plays i'm not exactly loving his walk rate is awful strikeout rate is above average above major league average but like it's not an impressive profile by any means so I, i'm probably not drafting him anywhere i mean the cesar hernandez resign spoke volumes yeah i mean but here's the thing like he had been talked about being moved to the outfield in new york so I think he's going to be ready to play in the outfield kind of come opening day. And do they really want Jake Bowers being like their everyday first baseman? Like, do I, they have a choice? I mean, it was they can move, they can Bowers move Naylor. They can move Naylor to first and, and play him, uh, play, uh, play Rosario out in the outfield. Like, I, I think that's what we're going to see more of. I think he starts off as a short side platoon guy, but. I mean, the, the Jake Bowers experiment just should have been over a few years ago. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that I think he's going to get I've been saying that. Yeah, exactly. I think he's going <laughs> to so get I to was not heartbroken when he was trading. Nah, yeah, <laughs> I think he's going to find his way to 450 plate appearances. And if he does that, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, is only a season removed from a 1519 season. Uh, and then in a nine twenty four season, I think he's kind of a sneaky reserve pick. Uh, and I took him last night in the Barf League draft kind of as my, you know, as one of my reserves uh, because he's going to start the year with shortstop eligibility and then gain outfield eligibility. It's always nice to have those guys who can move from infield to outfield. Uh, I think he's still kind of a sleeper and people are, are prob- the price is probably going to drop even further moving forward. Uh, Hunter Harvey is uh, got a strained oblique, which likely means six to eight weeks on the shelf. He was looking like he was going to be the closer in Baltimore. Uh, and that's probably not going to happen, at least to start the season now. Uh, brutal for me, my one of my most owned relievers this year. Uh, but David, who is the new closer in Baltimore? Any thoughts? Anything Orioles related, I always look at Alex Fast first, and he's been hyping up Tanner Scott and averaging 98 miles an hour on his fastball. Got a great slider to to pair with it. Somebody that is going really, really late. So if you're looking for saves, it's not going to cost you a lot to acquire him. Obviously, the Orioles aren't going to be in many games to get saves, but I mean, if you're looking for a cheap save source, right now it looks like Tanner Scott might be the guy. Jason, are you on the Tanner Scott bandwagon? I've been on the Tanner Scott bandwagon all offseason. And, and no joke, no exaggeration. Like, he was in my bold prediction for the AL East. I went six rounds above his ADP to take him in my Rotowire on, online championship on Tuesday night. So, and like, I, I put an article out or a graph out that said, hey, this is where guys were reaching. And, like, there's one big spike percentage-wise towards the end. That was me going to get Tanner Scott. <laughs> you know, about 36 hours before this happened. But, you know, to me, it's everybody had been anointing Hunter Harvey and Hunter Harvey has pitched about 15 more innings in the major leagues than I have. Uh, and yet the potential <laughs> we've always wondered what could happen, what could happen, what could happen. But then like you watch somebody pitch and Tanner Scott checked off a few boxes for me. One throws really hard, has a really nice slider, and he's not the only lefty in the bullpen. They got Paul Fry for that kind of thing. So, like, there were – the conditions were there to take a, an endgame chance on him to see what happens. So, I have him in TGFBI. I took him in the 23rd round of that. Uh, I think I took him – I took him in the 23rd round of the Rotowire Online Championship, and that's a 12-team versus 15. Uh, so, I I was already picking up shares of him, and when he – and I took him as – did I get him in labor? 
I forget. There's, there's a problem with having so many damn drafts in the, in the middle of it. You don't know. No, somebody else got him at the. Uh, somebody else got him in the uh, in the auction phase. Somebody got him at a dollar in the dollar days. So Dave Adler did another Orioles fan uh, when I was already out of money uh, and couldn't do anything at that point. Uh, but yeah. Tanner Scott believer. Uh, I know he's not going to go for one or two dollars in AL Tout this weekend. Yeah, no. Nah, I mean, I think he's going to go for <laughs> quite a bit more. He, he's probably going to go for more than that in the mix auction uh, that I'm in on Sunday uh, of next week. So, uh, yeah, I think he is kind of the lead guy. I do think that it's kind of shared among a few guys. I think Cesar Valdez will get some uh, some save opportunities while Harvey's down. Uh, I guess Harvey becomes droppable in leagues without an IL, um, and then what? You know, you might as well just stash him in leagues with an IL and see if he can get that role once he's healthy. But it's going to be at least uh, probably the first close to month of the season that he's down for, uh, if not more than that. So yeah, you can't rush those oblique those pitching injuries mm-hmm. with obliques. The one thing you absolutely don't want to rush uh, with that. I mean, it's not it's a non-surgical correction, but they. If you were to look at any uh, history track line and see what guys were doing, that is one injury. When they say six to eight weeks, it is a legit six to eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. He's not coming back any sooner. So, uh, Carlos Carrasco has some uh, elbow soreness, uh, and he's been going kind of in the top 50 picks uh, in NFBC leagues. So, this is a bit concerning for people who've already drafted uh, Carlos Carrasco this year. Jason, how worried are you about Carlos Carrasco's elbow? Uh Pretty worried. Uh, I, not somebody that I've ended up with the, that I've been able to get in any of the uh, the drafts that I've had. Uh, but I guess my you know my time's coming for some of the guys that I've been looking at. <laughs> Please don't get hurt, Lance McCullers Jr. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> just waiting on that. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm like, if, if there won't be so much glory for like if, if Cedric Mullins flops, I, you know, it's not the same. If I come bust you on Cedric Mullins, who you've drafted in 16 mm-hmm. or 11 weeks. Uh, but I have, if there's a league and I'm in it and McCullers is eligible, he ends up on my roster. So that is, uh, we'll see where that goes. But yeah, I'm worried there. That's not a, a great situation, uh, given everything that dude's gone through. Uh, and this is just when you start to, if you were starting to project, okay, you know, he is going to be able to, you know, he's a guy that we can look at for X amount of innings coming into the season. Now you're like, okay, you're reminded that he's pitched 140 innings combined over the past two seasons. And the, the, that 200 and 192 and 17 and 18 are starting to look like distant rear view mirrors. The objects are further away than they appear type of thing. So you're looking at innings. Yeah. I'm, for me, it's like one of the one of the things I've looked at uh, this offseason trying to put numbers together for pitchers. It's like I've not projected anybody over 180 innings at all. Uh, and the pitchers that get there are the ones that pitched on teams that went deep into the postseason. So I'm looking at the Astros, the Dodgers, the uh, the Rays, and the uh, – um, who am I missing? The, the Padres. So like I, that's kind of where I'm uh, looking at for that, and I just kind of ticked down for the teams that didn't make it there. But yeah, you know, this is a this is a guy that I would tick down even further uh, with this news uh, in the recent history. Dave, what are you doing with uh, Carlos Carrasco? It's so hard with Carlos Carrasco. I know for a fact um, Eno's in- injury metric had him at a 95 percent uh, percentile for injury. So. I listen to that as one thing, and then you know that there's the the past injury history there. I think I remember hearing somewhere that this is actually something he experiences every spring, and that he was downplaying, and he was quoted as saying today, actually, when asked if he'll be ready for his first turn of rotation, he be he said he'd 100 percent be ready, and he sounded very certain. And this was according to Justin Toscano, uh, Mets beat writer for the Record, New, North New Jersey. So. Uh, Again, it, it's very kind of talking out of both sides of the mouth when you hear a lot of these things. But anytime I see elbow anything, I don't care if the player's trying to back up and say that he'll be ready. That scares me. And it's not like somebody that you can just take a, a chance on later on in your draft and not worry about it. He's going right now as a fourth, fifth round pick. And I'm not prepared to pay that price when I see elbow soreness. And I don't care if, if he's downplaying it. I think... I saw that it scared me. I saw Eno's thing. It scared me. And I think I'm probably, unless he gets a huge hit in value, which he, he might 
go down a round or two with all this coming out recently, um, I'm probably not taking him. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really scary, and it's it's hard to draft a guy who now is kind of, you know, he's, he, I think he did some long toss yesterday. Um, here, yeah. And so it, it's a gamble, right? And the question becomes, where do you want to take your gambles? I tend to not want to take my gambles this early in a draft. That being said, like, he went through this exact same thing in, like, 2017 in Cleveland, um, where, you know, and Francona back then said, you know, after his first spring or first spring start, he always has elbow uh, uh, soreness. And so maybe this is just like how his body kind of gets ready. So it could be like a really nice gamble if he does drop in a draft. It's just so hard to pull the trigger, especially in a season where we're expecting more pitchers to get injured as uh, workloads ramp up from the shortened 2020 season. I just don't know that it's a gamble that I want to necessarily take in spite of the fact that I really like Carlos Carrasco this year in the National League without a DH, uh, in that Met stadium, which plays so well for uh, for pitchers uh, and with that great offense behind him. So I'm probably not going to end up with him until we see him pitching on a mound again, but uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity in the next week. All right, finishing up the news, uh, we've got Robbie Ray hitting 97. I don't really care. I mean, personally, it, for me, it's not about velocity with Robbie Ray. It's about the fact that he walks the yard. Uh, but Jason wanted to talk about it. So, Jason, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, he went – our buddy Ian got him for four uh, in AL Labor the other night. I thought it was a really good price. But to, for me, this is a, a – him hitting 97 three in an outing yesterday is notable because he's hit that velocity all of six times over the past three years. So something's changed, and with Robbie Ray, I think you know part of the 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 risk is always, you know, the command is he ever going to find it? And it's a risk in labor because in labor you can't bench a guy. You if you draft him, he is in your lineup unless he gets demoted or injured. But you have to either you know, start him or cut him. That's the rules in labor. So that's where that's where it becomes a little more risky to to have Ray on your roster there. But again, 2018, three pitches of 97 or higher. Last year, three pitches of 97 or higher. He used two different pitching deliveries last year. He started the year off in Arizona, saying, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the spiraling that Lucas Giolito and everybody else and Aaron Savali. I'm gonna do it." Uh, and I remember watching some of his starts, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, and you know he's always been a guy that's had the time to the order penalty because he doesn't have the off-speed pitch, and he uses his two breaking balls as his off-speed pitch. Uh, but if you're working 91-93, and just the changeup is just a show-me pitch. But yesterday, he was averaging 95. So, like, he's found some new velocity. I'm wondering if the second delivery that he had with Toronto uh, after, after he got traded is sticking because remember Toronto gave him a one year eight million dollar deal and we all kind of scoffed at it but they clearly saw something and and if this is what they saw like hey if you make these mechanical tweaks you're going to get velocity that you haven't pitched with uh since the 2015 season like we go back and look at it uh his you know 2016 he threw 117 pitches that season uh, of 97 or greater uh and so it's just the, the velocity has been gone since 2017. Uh, to this point. So if this is newfound velocity, I, I want to see it for one or two more starts to see what he can do it. But you go back and look at yesterday's game log and you see a lot of things, 95, 96, again, touch 97.3. So it's it's worth watching. Now, again, without the command, none of this matters. But the fact that at least something's back, if he can get the velocity fixed, maybe he can get the, maybe the command's not as bad of an issue because he won't be behind 2-0 in every count. Uh, and so we'll have to see what it, where it plays out with it. But uh, I'm a little more intrigued with Robbie Ray this week than I was two weeks ago. Are you more intrigued, Dave? I mean, Robbie Ray is the ultimate definition of a tease. So, I mean, it, it's really hard. Uh, if it doesn't cost me a lot and I can get him at, like, my last couple picks, why not? But it's hard. I mean, he can just single-handedly blow up your ratios, uh with one of his patented six walk outings. So uh, again, I'm, I like Robbie Ray. It's just, it's hard to know. Is this just a blip on the radar? And then next start, it's back down to 94, 93. I just kind of want to see a little bit more of it before I start letting myself get my hopes up again about him. And then let's not forget he's pitching in Dunedin. I mean, there's, there's risk associated with these Toronto pitchers in the run environment that they're going to be pitching in. Mm-hmm. 
So you got to factor that in as well. Yeah, and let's not forget, too, that uh, pretty much all last season, but especially once he got traded to Toronto, they only let him go five innings once. Like, so we're talking about a guy that may get limited uh, anyways in terms of how deep he pitches into a ball game, and then he can destroy your ratios. Uh, I, I, you know, if he can't qualify for a win, if he's not going to be an asset in whip or uh, ERA, and he had a 190 whip last year and a 662 ERA. Like, I just... Hot. Yeah, I just can't do it. Like, I understand the strikeouts are amazing, um, but... If he's a one-category pitcher, like, I don't want that on my team. So, um, Yeah, even, like I said, I've, I've mentioned the times through the order penalty. Last year was a disaster, and I, 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 can't, I can't write off or I can't underscore how important it is that the dude was going through two different sets of mechanics. And we talk about the disruption to all of these other pitchers with just the consistency of their training regimens and how everything was disrupted last year. He had all of that, got traded was going through two to, uh, two different deliveries. But if you go back and look at his historical numbers, first time through the order from 2015 to 2019, absolutely serviceable, not a problem. You go back and look at the uh, first and second time through the order, stuff still worked out. I mean, I'm talking about uh, opponents on base percentages, 317, 323, 285, 311, 321. That'll play. Opponents' batting averages were 240 or lower. And that's when you that's when you turn around and Charlie Montoya has got to be like, all right, you're out. Because after that, it is ugly. 393, 339. Last year, 553 OBP when he was left in the game uh, that third time through. So that's where he, things tend to fall apart because he doesn't have the off-speed pitch. But if Charlie Montoya says, okay, you're out there for 18 batters face, give me what you got. Depending on the depth of your league and the format, I think there's value here. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to our mailbag question. Again, you can get mailbag question answered by throwing them into our discord, which is available through our Patreon. Uh, I think it's like Patreon backslash the sleeper in the bust. Uh, and it is, uh, the $4 and 20 cent tier because Paul and I are children. Um, but <laughs> so, uh, but all the questions for the mailbag will now be coming, uh, from the discord, got a little community growing in there. So I really appreciate everybody, uh, who supported us on Patreon, uh, and, uh, and kind of been, been able to join the discord and, and kind of chatting in there. So, uh, the question is what bolt guys are you targeting this year? I'll start with you, David. So guys that I think are going to come in and give you some meaningful multi-inning appearances that uh, I think you should be looking at here. Alex Reyes is a guy that's been kind of mentioned a lot recently. They said that he's going to be able to go 100 innings, of course, health permitting. Guy that's going to give you an over K per nine, uh, mid-threes ERA, a guy that's got great strikeout stuff. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him having two three-inning appearances facing the lineup one time through the order. Um, this is again, somebody that I think if he's healthy is going to be a very, very valuable piece to have kind of in the back end of your roster here. And he's not costing a lot to get, he's going, you know, somewhere in the, the mid twenties in a lot of these drafts, mid 20 round, another guy, Chad green, next man up without Zach Britton there. He'll be the closer, most likely the first two games without Chapman, but he's shown over the course of his career, he can handle multi-inning duties and he's been pretty successful at it. He's a career 12K per nine guy, guy that I think will give very value, many valuable innings in that bullpen. Uh, and somebody, again, the Yankees are winning a lot of games, so he's going to be accumulating a lot of innings, holds a couple saves here and there. Again, a guy that's going to give you a lot of good ratios. Freddie Peralta is kind of the wild card here because he's talked about being getting moved into the rotation. But if he does not get moved into the rotation, I mean... This guy stacks K's like dollar bills. I mean, struck out seven and under three innings pitch the other day. Slider was given batters fits, mixing in with his fastball and curve. He's referenced that he's actually also working on a changeup. It seems it's a dangerous sentiment to say that I think he's finally figured it out. Um, but he's already shown in the bullpen that he's excelled. And so if he's getting three inning appearances like he kind of had the other day, I mean, this guy is just going to be a monster, a monster. All right, Jason, give me some names. Yeah, this and so 
And I'll, I'll preface this by saying, you know, there's been a lot of great podcasts over the last week or two, uh, especially with the the high profile NFBC players uh, that have said, OK, this is my last podcast appearance. I don't want to talk about it. Like, I really enjoyed the one that Matt Modica and Mark Strabo were on. But Mark's like, that's the difference. Matt will go out there and talk about his guys. I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's like, I know I have talent participants listening to this and i'm just i'm gonna put some of these names i'm gonna put them out there anyhow because some of the ones i did uh on in labor so like i'll go a little deeper uh than than dave did like one guy that's really intriguing to me and i threw him out for a dollar uh but in hindsight i should have thrown him out at two dollars because that's about where i uh would value him at but i'm, I'm very intrigued by randy dobnak because of his extreme ground baldness and the fact that he now has Josh Donaldson and Andrelton Simmons on the pull side of the infield. Uh, you know, there it's going to be tough for ground balls to get through with those two guys playing defense on the other side. Uh, and Dobnak's not going to be in that rotation. They've already said that, but he could easily be the bulk guy behind Matt Shoemaker, who's as durable as the glass uh, sitting next to me if I knock it off the counter. Uh, and so that's where I'm intrigued by him because he's going to be that. They've already talked about him being one of the first guys out of the uh, bullpen to take up the bulk. Uh, and, and Shoemaker's not somebody that goes deep in the game. So, you know, he pitches three or four. Dodnack comes in and holds it. And all of a sudden he gets saddled with the win. I mean, we, we saw that we saw how Ryan Yarbrough's fantasy value, once he became a full time starter, he, his fantasy value got worse because he stopped getting all those wins uh, and if they could take him put him back in the opener role let him come in and soak up four or five innings that could be yeah that could be interesting so that's one guy that i've looked at i, I would put Pop, uh, pablo patrick sandoval uh in the same type of situation uh you know I, the angels said they're going with a 16-man rotation uh <laughs> they're destroying quantity at the situation sandoval is, is intriguing and he's another guy that could come up uh, in that particular situation uh, and try to soak some innings up i love uh, i love the alex reyes call out because that's you know those are the types of relievers if i'm in more mixed leagues uh or nl only league i like the uh, that type of guy we know that he's capable of pitching multiple innings uh given his his pedigree uh, and same thing with uh, with peralta as well uh it pained me to have to cut Peralta in my home league uh, last night because I had only had seven keepers, but it's one of the one of the categories is wins plus quality starts. Uh, that's not a Peralta specialty. The other things I could see happening, but that's where it pained me, and I had to keep three pitchers, and I kept Musgrove, uh, Pablo Lopez, and uh, Corbin Burns uh, at a, at one dollar. Uh, but TJ Antone is another guy mm-hmm. uh, where, but he may be in the rotation now. Uh, yeah, so Meyer. Yeah, exactly. And so I mean, Anton's the guy that I started drafting back in December uh, because he, you know, he came through the minors as a starting pitcher. He was used in a multiple relief ending role last year. I thought that's where he was going to go this year, potentially even close. Uh, but with Wade Miley hurt, it seems like Anton's going to be right into the rotation. Uh, so that's going to that's going to be tough. Uh, I don't think Davey Garcia is in the rotation, but that's somebody else who could end up uh, with that. Uh, in that capacity, and then I still want to believe in Adbert Asley, uh, but I know it hasn't been a good spring. Uh, but that's another guy. If it doesn't make the rotation, I'm still interested uh, in picking up uh, shares of him to see what could happen in deeper leagues. Yeah, I think Anton is going to become one of the hottest names now that he's got a, a real shot at the rotation with Wade Miley going down with injury. So uh, he, his, he's going to be a very hot commodity, and his price is going to be going up uh, quite a bit. Uh, Brett Suter is another guy uh, from Milwaukee that I think could be getting some bulk work uh, and kind of be a, a, a really cheap option. Um, That's uh, a good guy to piggyback mm-hmm. off of Peralta. Yeah, exactly. Talk about two mm-hmm. different looks. It's mm-hmm. like here comes nasty high-riding fastball, and here comes a biting slider, and then here comes you know 930 arm angle. Uh, mm-hmm. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, another guy that could be in the rotation but was supposed to be kind of a bulk guy is uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon. Uh, in uh, in St. Louis, uh, it looks like with uh, Kim uh, having some back issues and back stiffness, he might get uh, a shot in the rotation. But once Kim's back, he'll return probably to that bulk uh, role unless they move to a six-man rotation. Uh, Michael Walker or Colin McHugh, one of those guys is going to be the bulk guy. The other one's going to be the starter. You want the bulk guy because the other one, whoever's starting is probably not going deep. I think that's going to be McHugh. Uh, so he's a, another interesting guy uh, that could be talked about. I mean, you, what you want are guys that can kind of be the Tyler Molly of this year, right? A guy who is 
either starting in a bulk role and could move into the rotation or is pitching on a, a good team that might limit their starters. Uh, and so you can kind of sneak some cheap wins in there. So just kind of look at, uh, you know, go over to roster resource, look at some of those uh, long relievers uh, on some good teams and kind of pick and choose which ones you think might kind of break out this year. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, hey, I was going to mention uh, oh, go ahead. about opener. I'm not going to be surprised to see, keep an eye on the schedule for week one about like who's got what for their, uh, for their matchups in interleague. Cause I believe like the Rays are playing the nationals in the, they're playing the nationals uh, early on in the season. I forget the exact schedule, but there's a good chance they can start using openers right out of the gate. Once they're, once they're in that national league schedule, they got the, the see Now they open with the Marlins, but I was reading something today where they were talking about, they were talking about working with openers at some point, but check your interleague and see what's going to happen. Cause uh, it's always nice to try to steal some early wins. Yeah, and uh, one of the things we're going to be talking about has an effect on that interleague play because as of right now, and I know I keep saying that Ooh. I believe it's going to happen, uh, <laughs> there is no DH in the National League, and we're going to talk about some kind of uh, util-only players. Now, in some leagues, some of these guys are going to have like outfield eligibility or first-base eligibility depending on if you're playing at like ESPN or Yahoo or Fantrax or NFBC, so... Uh, but I pretty much went down the NFBC ADP and grabbed, you know, a bunch of the guys who are UT eligible. And we got about 25 minutes left, so I want to knock out as many guys as possible. Let's, but uh, before we do that, I want to just kind of check. It looks like the Giants are opening the season um, in an American League park. So it looks like that is our opening uh, kind of uh, National League teams facing the American League team. Uh, for, for people looking at the schedule. But uh, let's start kind of at the top of the ADP. Uh, the guy going highest that's you, that is utility only is Jordan, or Jordan Alvarez. His ADP is 79 right now. Uh, this is a guy that you know missed most of last season because of knee issues. Uh, I believe he's going to DH in his first game today or Monday. So, I mean, he's going to be on the field uh, as of the next couple days. So, David, what are your thoughts on Jordan Alvarez for 2021? He was the hardest guy for me on this list, honestly, because his ADP right now at 79, you know, so he's gone kind of going in like that round six, round seven range. And it's kind of like you have to determine if you want to pay for the risk because there's no one that's downplaying the talent. The talent is incredible. Uh, but like you said, he's going to hopefully play his first game either today or tomorrow. Coming off a season where he just played just two games, had surgery on both his knees. It's really hard. He's not going to give you position flexibility, obviously, being a Utah-only player. But it's kind of one of those things. I, I know it's the cliche answer, but it's a, the roster construction thing. And if you feel comfortable that you can put him there and you'll be okay. I just I haven't found myself actively trying to acquire him just on the 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 just that downside of of him you know he's going to need probably rest on some days even though he's DHing I'm sure there's going to be a lot of days that he gets rest out of the lineup so I just think for he's still a little bit too high for me to want to invest a top eighty pick in somebody that is a full time DH that just had surgery on both their knees so I, I'm probably out on him where he's going Jason are you out on Alvarez I'm never out on anybody. Uh, I'm willing to give people. I'm willing to give them a, a shot. It all really depends on what the price is going to be uh, on this. So that's really where I sit. That's that's where I, uh, I sit on him. But I do want to watch him play. Uh, you know, when if you look at potential upside, he's somebody that should. Uh, he could be the number one. You tell a DH, whatever you want to say. He could be the number one guy this year based on potential. But at the same time, you got to see where things are. And there's a number of. When you look at the when you look at the rules that we had this come up in in labor because labor uses a ten game eligibility we had ten draftable guys that were UT only so it, it becomes something you may want to consider using as a strategy in your draft uh, if you could see who's willing to pay uh, like if you if you're an Alvarez believer and you want to test the market see how the rest of the room is make and you're in an auction format throw them out first. Make him the first guy and see what people are paying because a lot of times people don't want to tie up that that utility spot that early in the auction. 
but he's somebody you could you could throw out there and put it out there and see the true believer. I did this last year in labor. I threw out um, Nick Solak first. Then I went to Chris Davis with a K next and was like, okay, this is a good price. I guess I'll take him. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. But in, in labor, I threw out Stanton as the first one, and I ended up buying him. But in hindsight, I should have I should have thrown out Willie Calhoun. I mean, Calhoun ended up going to Tristan Cockroft because – he, there's only one other team that could even roster utility guy, and Tristan had more money uh, at that point, and he got him for a steal. But try to look at your with if you're in a standard auction with with seven game eligibility. You know you've got Nelson Cruz, JD Martinez, uh, you've got uh, Alvarez, I believe Solaire at that point. Solaire uh, got outfield. I was, okay, well, Fran Mill. I mean, you've got options, but take a look at your player pool at, at the who is DH only. And if there's a guy that you believe in, and Alvarez, just using Alvarez here as an example, throw him out as early as you can and see who else in the room does it. And you may get a bargain uh, it, because, again, people like that flexibility during the auction and tying up that utility spot. you got to believe it. I mean, people are going to do it with J.D. Martinez. And they're going to do it with Nelson Cruz. But right now, like as of today, now if Alvarez comes out and just starts hitting the snot out of the baseball all week and is running – uh, running around looking good, that's going to end. But if you've got a draft at an auction here in the next uh, four to six days, you still may be able to get a price if you believe that you know two thousand. the way he hit the scene in 2019 is the real deal. Yeah, you better believe he's going to be one of the first players that is thrown out in, in tout. Uh, and in my VIX league, I may be that guy that throws him out. Uh, so because... I, I don't want to pay the price on Jordan Alvarez this year. I mean, I see the upside. And you go look at the projections over at Fangraphs. They've got him, you know, for 124 to 130 games and hitting 30-plus bombs. Uh, <laughs> so with, with a good average, I mean, he could be a difference maker this year. But, again, like I said about Carlos Carrasco, I just don't want to take a gamble that high in a draft it just or spend that much in an auction on a guy that, you know, had nine plate appearances last year because of knee issues. And uh, while, you know, I'm not as worried as I might be for another guy in terms of the Platella tendon injury because those tend to really affect people's ability to cut uh, and, you know, and make quick cuts on the base paths. It's not like Alvarez is making quick cuts on the base paths. I mean, he's he's going to jog around him uh, whether he's hitting a home run or, or a ground ball. So, like, I'm not super worried about that, but I am worried about just kind of degenerative knee issues in general and him being 23. Those things don't tend to just get better over time. They just tend to get worse. Love the talent. If we could turn off injuries, I'd have him on just about every team. But I can't rationalize taking Alvarez over the next two guys we're going to talk about. So let's move over to J.D. Martinez. Now, Martinez is outfield eligible in a lot of leagues, but in NFBC... Uh, he is UT el uh, uh, eligible only, so that's why we're going to talk about him uh, kind of with this group. Jason, what are your thoughts on J.D. Martinez this year? And, and by the way, he's outfield eligible. I mean, he's uh, only DH eligible in NFBC because if you look, it'll say he played seven games in the outfield, but one of those games he played left and center field in the same game. So he okay. technically only played six. That's why he's UT only uh, in NFBC. And really, it depends on your local league how your commissioner wants to deal with it because you know, that technicality should mean he's UT only. Yeah. Uh, depending on, uh, depending on your rules. But I, cause I went and looked that up cause it was weird. I'm like, no, it's, it shows. And then I looked at the line score and he played somehow, I guess he, he didn't play the position, but they moved him around based on somebody else coming in to pinch hit. And so he never came to the plate. Uh, I mean, I was all in on JD Martinez last year. And this is like, to me, it's been the, I don't, I've, I've been burned so many times by like, oh my God, I can't do this again. And then that guy ends up blowing up. And it's just when you look at the body of work over the history and then look at last year, you absolutely just throw it out. You're like, it's gone, throw it out. Uh, and so I want to be back in uh, on him. Like I would be the guy that would pass on Alvarez because I want to see what the Martinez price is. That said, if I see the Alvarez price coming at a bargain, I'm not out on it. But if you throw Alvarez first in an auction, I'm probably going to let that one go by because I want to see what, what the J.D. Martinez price is. Uh, not that he's going to be a value, but I know what I value him at. And if I can get him at or below that, then I will take that chance. But with the depth of talent at UT only in an AL only auction, 
I, I, I'm afforded that opportunity. I'll say that I don't yet have Martinez in any one of the, the drafts or auctions that I've done this winter, uh, but it hasn't been because I've turned my nose up and, and passed on it. Dave, what are your thoughts on Alvarez? Or sorry, on Martinez? I love JD Martinez this year, where his value is. Uh, if you look at it, he if you talk about guys that needed video or are speaking out that they wanted video, he's probably the the poster child from it. I mean, if you look prior to the 2020 season, and I wrote an article about him on fan tracks where you could see that he set up three iPads and reviewed his BP to see what he should or should not be doing during his at game at bats. That was before each game. And then during the game, he goes in there. So the first thing he was doing was going over the iPad. And in an awesome article from SI's Tom Verducci in March, he was talking about even before the season started how much he was worried this was going to affect him. And he was saying how this generation, you need the technology for the analytics, for your swings. And it's hard to be able to make changes if you don't have that available to him. And he said, he came out and said, he's like, I'm not a natural hitter. He said, there are some natural hitters in this game, but I'm not one of them. I need to be able to see how I can make adjustments. So I really do think him not having access to the video last year is was a detriment, a huge detriment to his game. And I mean, you can still see when he was making contact. I mean, he was still hitting the ball extremely hard. And uh, all his metrics, when you look at it like that, I, I just... He's somebody, I think, you look at his career norms, the the, the contact rate and how hard he was hitting the ball. I, I think, again, somebody with video this year, you're never going to get him at this cost again. So I would immediately jump on it everywhere I could. Yeah, I love J.D. Martinez. Um, unfortunately for me, I only have him in one league so far. Uh, and that's saying something considering, like Jason mentioned, I've already drafted 75 thousand leagues um but it's mostly because i like nelson cruz a little bit more and we'll get to him in a minute but I, I love the fact that he's got the video bag uh you know i mean this lineup isn't as good as it once was but it's not bad especially at the top half so i mean i think he's gonna still drive in a ton of runs hit a bunch of homers have a pretty decent average uh if not a very good average uh, and i just feel like people are sleeping on him and if you are in a league where he's outfield eligible uh, that, that makes him even more enticing because you can still get him and get an Elson Cruz or a Giancarlo Stan or a, a Jordan Alvarez if that's kind of your uh, cup of tea. So I mean, players believe what they want to believe. You know, if breathing out of your eyelids, wearing women's mm -hmm. underwear, if these things make you a better <laughs> player. I mean, clearly it was – you watched – I mean, I wanted to believe. I think I made that a couple of weeks ago. I ended up cutting J.D. Martinez in tout because it was so bad that I could not make any upward movement in the standings, and there was no reason I either cut him or traded him because there was just nothing. He could do absolutely nothing for me. But, you know, in previous seasons, again, watching 18 games between my favorite team and his team, you know, when he came up to the bat, uh, played against the lefty, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be – he's going to – we're going to die. And then last year it was like, oh, hey, Martinez is coming up. This should be fun. And he just he looked completely lost and it was just completely different. And if his crutch was, you know, if his women's underwear was having the video, then so be it. And that's what he, he's going to have something back and, and he could do it. So, you know, the rose goes in the front, big boy. Just remember that. <laughs> and with that, we'll move on to the next guy. That is the aforementioned Nelson Cruz. Uh, one of my most uh, rostered uh, hitters this year. I've got him already in seven uh, NFBC leagues. I believe I've got him in labor uh, as well. Uh, and I'm sure he will find his way onto my tout team because while he keeps getting older and everyone else keeps going, well, he's so old, the cliff is coming. Like, I'm just going to keep going back to that well. I mean, he's been pretty much a top 25 hitter every year of his career. It just, I mean... He, the dude just prints money for fantasy uh, owners. So I'm back in on Nelson Cruz. Dave, are you back in on Nelson Cruz? Yeah, I'm a big Twins fan, and I love Nelly. I, he, I just I get him the sense that he's like cut from that David Ortiz cloth and that he's going to be good until he probably retires because of injuries and not because of his performance. I know people were concerned a little bit about his rise in K percentage, but it was also, again, everybody knows it's a short season. That could have stabilized more over a full season. He's going to be at the heart of another great Twins lineup. Still hit the ball extremely hard. Had great exit velocities, barrel rates. Again, like Justin said, is just you go back to the well. You keep digging. Get this guy as much as you can. He's going right around pick 100. So 
I don't see why you should be scared off from him, at least right now. There's not enough in his profile that concerns me that he's hit that cliff or whatever the uh, the yeah, the term is. I just I think he's I think he's very safe where you you can take him. Word of warning: the Twins do start the year in Milwaukee in their second series, so he could sit a few games early in the season, just kind of a heads up. Uh, could. <laughs> yeah, well, likely will, but just just a word to the wise uh, that maybe the second week of the season might be a time where your sixth round pick doesn't get uh, a ton of at bats. So uh, in NFBC leagues where you've got the midweek hitter changes, you may want to even think about sitting him in that in that uh, April fourth through um, uh, what I think April sixth series. Uh, so, uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on Cruz? Yeah, I've never been out. I, I've, but the thing is, I never end up with the guy on my team because there's always somebody who loves him even more than I do. Yeah, it's me. And it's <laughs> you know for, and that's the thing. I mean, it's like let's recall. I mean, this guy was uh, my favorite story. Nelson Cruz story was that he was DFA'd by the Rangers in 2000 uh, after in, after the 2007 season, and nobody picked him up. Nobody, nobody mm-hmm. wanted him. And so he went back to the Rangers on a minor league contract and the rest they say is history. Uh, and he ages like the finest of wines. And yeah, sure. He's he, the, 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 the contact, uh, issues have, have been creeping up the last couple of years from 21 to 25 to 27%, but don't care. Ages like fine wine in a loaded lineup. Um, if, if we have the 162 game season, we know that he is going to get pinch hit at bats in the interleague play, but that's pretty much it. He doesn't run hard enough to get hurt. You know, <laughs> he doesn't really, you know, he had, I forgot what the injury was in 2019 uh, that caused him to miss some time. But for the most part, he's been automatic over the last six years. He's outside of the, the missed playing time in 2019. Maybe it was an oblique. And that's really the only risk I ever have with him because he just doesn't move anymore. And that's fine. He's a beautiful creature and we should allow him just to mash as a DH. Uh, and I need to correct myself already. Uh, he, it's the opening uh, series of the year. So April 1st or April 3rd there at Milwaukee is at, or sorry, the, the Twins are at Milwaukee. So, uh, and, uh, I mean, I guess you could, I mean, they're going to go up against Woodruff and Burns. So uh, might be just, you know, might want to just sit him for those three, that three game stretch and then throw yeah, him back in your Yeah, he gets pinch hit against Williams and Williams. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, he <laughs> might, might be a sit for the, those first three games, but that's okay. It's just the first three games of the season. Uh, but, I mean, even in that 2019 season that you mentioned where he, he missed time, only played 120 games, um, he hit 41 home runs with a 311 batting average, 108 <laughs> runs batted in. Like, so, I mean, dude has just been a monster. So a machine. Yeah, I, I mean, everybody keeps – I keep saying this on Twitter because people are like, oh, this is the year, this is the year. I'm like, you keep fading him. Give him to me at a cheaper price. Let me get him outside the top 70 picks because that's absolutely insane. He went 21 in AL Labor. Yeah, I yeah. paid. I was the high guy at twenty six on Stanton and Alvarez twenty four, Cruz twenty one, JD Martinez twenty two. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take Nelson Cruz every day of the week. It's just uh, people just got should stop like this narrative that he oh he's old. Yeah, he's been old for a while now and he's been fine. So, all right, uh, let's move on to the aforementioned Giancarlo Stanton because we got about eight minutes left before we have to wrap this up. Probably not going to get to every one of these guys, uh, unfortunately, but. Uh, Stanton, uh, you know, obviously the health concerns are the thing that kind of have held him down. It wasn't that long ago that I burned a second round pick in my first main event league on him, uh, only for it to have him just miss the majority of the season. Jason, you took him in labor. So why don't you talk a little bit about him? And I'm prepared to have my heart broken. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I had Cole and Stanton, so apparently go Yankees. Uh, but it's like, for me, it was... After watching what he did in the postseason, I couldn't get that out of my head. He's looked fantastic in spring training. Uh, you hope that he's going to be able to, to DH and stay healthy, but I'm prepared to have my heart broken. Uh, but if 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 we can control all the injury settings on him, he just has the potential just to be a monster. But he has that potential every year, and things have happened. So I've taken the chance because, again, playing it safe has gotten me absolute nothing. You know, zero league titles being safe and avoiding guys like this. So this year, it's like, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to assume the risk. And this was the guy that I said I'm willing to take that risk with. So fingers crossed that because he's on my team and not your team, 
he'll be healthy again uh, and can hit and can have like 2018 numbers again. I'll take that 38 uh, and 202 combined runs and RBIs. I'll take that. Yeah, I only have him on two leagues just because I've been getting so many shares of uh, of Nelson Cruz. So uh, that's that's been the reason I kind of avoided him. I mean, we all see the upside. It's just whether he can stay on the field. Love the fact that he's been working on flexibility. I've talked about this a bunch over the years in terms of, you know, guys with these kind of massive uh, muscular frames often don't focus enough on flexibility, and it leads them to these kind of injuries. So I like that him and Judge have been focusing on uh, flexibility this offseason and trying to kind of loosen up those muscles and i'm sure dave will talk a little bit about that because he's 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 the workout guy now on the podcast so um but i I do think it uh it's a worthy gamble this year i mean we're talking not talking about a guy who's going to top five rounds anymore we're talking about a guy at pick 127 in adp over the last month uh an nfbc draft champion so like i mean this guy could return first or second round value if he gets to play all year i don't know that i can bank that he will but I do think it's a worthy gamble that spot. Dave, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I read that he's doing more yoga and he's not being glued to the gym, which is, I think, been huge. I, if you think about it, you got like Dan Ugla, Roger Bernardina. I think, you know, Tyler O'Neill is is known as a pretty big guy. A lot of these guys being big and muscular doesn't necessarily translate to being a, an incredible baseball player. And he's done so well so far, but I think him being so jacked has made it so he's not on the field. You got to be looser. You got to be able to have that flexibility when you play. And him taking that focus this offseason to to not be in the weight room as much and focus on yoga, I mean, it can only help at this point. Like you guys already touched on. I mean, if he, he's healthy, this is a f- easy 40 home run guy most likely in, uh, in, in an amazing lineup and in a great ballpark. So, I mean, at pick 127, I think the risk is worth the reward here. I'm I'm happy taking him at this spot, and I, I don't have as much of him as I would like, but uh, I am very optimistic. This could be the year he gets back to being one of those guys that you you feel comfortable taking in the first few rounds of your draft. All right, we've got about four minutes left. I want to just go real quickly through Fran Mil Reyes, uh, and uh, so that way we can kind of nail him down. So, David, give me your quick thoughts on Fran Mill. Streaky last year. But he's going to be in the middle of that lineup, give you 30 home runs, 80, 90 RBIs potentially. I think he's a guy that if you've been waiting on some power in your draft, I feel comfortable taking him around 147. So I like him. What about you, Jason? Uh, my thoughts is I could see his uh, his value in OBP leagues going up because let's say he comes up. If, if there's two outs and a guy on base, why pitch to him? Look what's behind him. He is not lineup protections about who's in front of you and who's behind you, but he doesn't have much behind him to be intimidated for pitchers to be intimidated by. I could see, and it's up to him if he's going to accept it, but I could see him being pitched around more and, and his walk rate creeping up into like the, the 13, uh, 13% area because he's not going to see as many pitches to hit as he has in previous years. Yeah. I mean, I guess that is concern. I'm not as big of a lineup protection guy. Uh, as others, unless we're talking about like truly elite players, but I definitely see that as a potential issue. Not super worried about it. I think he's going to be just fine. I kind of like where he's going. I think his price is driven down by the uh, the UT only uh, kind of slot and people not wanting to clog up that spot or getting other guys because mm-hmm. there are so many other guys this year uh, that are UT uh, only eligible. I like uh, Fran Mill as a guy. Who should put up, you know, good power numbers. A decent average is not going to hurt you. Going outside the top 140 picks, currently going at pick uh, 147. Uh, I think he's a nice little gamble. So, uh, and I think there is a chance maybe he could even gain outfield eligibility in season if they don't want to deal uh, with um, Jake Bowers at first, move Naylor to uh, over to first, uh, and uh, if uh, either Mercado or uh, Rosario don't pan out. So, all right. Uh, that is going to do it for us for this episode. David, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. This was an absolute blast. Uh, remind everybody to reach on social media and then plug everything you do. You find me on Twitter at dmendio 2 and you can find my work over at Fantrax. I got all my player profiles, rankings, contributed some to their draft kit. 
can hear my voice on the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball podcast with my guys, Little Cheesecake and Doc. We love to talk baseball and love to have fun over there. So if you ever chance to check it out, uh, please do. And Jason, remind everybody where you can be reached and what you're working on. So uh, Twitter at Jason Colette. Uh, Colette Calls column is still coming out, usually Wednesdays or sometimes Thursdays at Rotowire. Uh, last week I did, uh, the column up right now is about overall look at AL and NL labor by the numbers. This week's column is specific to my AL labor team and my Rotowire online draft championship. That one will be outside the paywall so people can read. I like, you know, sometimes people are like, I don't want to read about your fantasy team, but I want people to learn from either my strategy or my mistakes, uh, of which I, I make many. So it's, uh, I'm going to put out the thought pattern like, hey, why did I end up sp- uh, spending $98 on pitching? And how did that come together? Or why did I open my Rotowire online draft championship with uh, Mookie Betts and uh, Mookie Betts, Bryce Harper? Clayton Kershaw and Tyler Glass now out of the fifth spot in that one. Uh, and I tell you, man, going from an AL only to a 12-team mix within 48 hours is quite the experience. You're like, oh, my God, look at all these people out here. This is so – I've got talent for days. And you know, where in AL labor, it was like, hey, look, it's gone and expired. <laughs> so it was such a difference. Yeah, it's a, it's a jarring experience to uh, yep. uh, go from, like, the deeper, deeper formats to, like, a 12-team mix. Um, I'm uh, – I'm glad you got your uh, OC filled. My OC still has some spots uh, available on, I believe, the 28th of this month at, at 4 p.m. Eastern. So uh, I'll link it again in the show notes if people want to join. Um, and then let's see. Uh, next week, uh, Jason and I will be without a guest because we are going to be uh, kind of breaking down our Tout Wars teams uh, from uh, the you know next Saturday, so yeah, we'll uh, have to work a little because you you you're in the afternoon. I got morning, and then I have my local NL auction mm-hmm. at some point at nine or ten o'clock Sunday morning. So what we'll to be? Well, I'll reach out offline and talk about time. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, figure we'll figure out a time, or maybe uh, maybe we'll record like uh, a different day or something like that. But we'll figure it out one way or another. Uh, you reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, you can hear me, of course, on this podcast, but also the TGFBI podcast with my wife uh, and the Friends of Fantasy Benefits Baseball podcast. And I'm writing daily at Fangraphs right now and then again at Friends of Fantasy Benefits and TGFBI.com. Uh, that will do it for this episode. For Jason, David, and myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. <laughs>